Oh, she sees a coyote out in the field, you know. Coyote, there's a coyote. We gotta, we gotta go get the gun. There's a coyote. And, you know, my wife's like, oh, I don't think I'm the person to do that. My daughter's like, I'll do it. You know, it's part of life. And I think, I think we all gotta learn in our own way. And some people are just so stubborn, it's gonna take a little bit harder fall for them to figure it out. We got exactly what we were looking for, which was a modular waterproof pack system that basically was designed for the hunter or the outdoorsman in general. And your gear's gonna stay dry so you can keep that joy in the journey of the outdoors. It makes you feel good when you're building something that you know works, but then other people can enjoy it as well. This is Brandon Bear with Rockman, and you're listening to the Wild Initiative. Put down your latte and pull on your boots. You and I and everybody listening to this owns 640 million acres. I think he killed more deer drinking his coffee, smoking a cigarette in the pickup truck than I did spending all that time freezing my butt off. Something that I would hope is that people realize that those are wild animals and they have savage natures. I look forward to packing animals out. I look forward to that pain of success. Doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter where you live. I've said it before and you know what? I'll say it again louder for the people in the back. Your present circumstance should not limit your passions. This is Jay Scott of the Jay Scott Outdoors podcast. Hey, this is Ryan Callahan. Hi, this is Jules McLean. Hey everybody, Jason Carter here with Epic Outdoors. Hey guys, this is Tim Burnett with Solo Hunter. You're listening to The Wild Initiative. Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of The Wild Initiative brought to you as part of the Waypoint Podcast Network. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, y'all, so hopping into today's episode, as you can hear, we are here at SHOT Show. Or, this is not SHOT Show. We're here at, wow, the, I, what I, is it called, this Western Hunt Next this is Conservation Show? Western, I, every time, I, I've yet to do a podcast <laughs> where I've announced the show correctly. It's We're right. here at the Western Hunting and Conservation Expo in Salt Lake City. Uh, I've sit down with Brandon Bear of Rockman. I met, uh, I found out about uh, the guys at Rockman um, while I was at SHOT Show. That's yep. why it was in my head. Um, and uh, I was glad to see you guys here and uh, yep. excited to just sit down and chat with you a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, um, so, you know, I always like to kick things off just a little bit of an introduction about kind of who you are, but uh, specifically, how did you get introduced to hunting and the outdoors? Oh, man. You know, I just as a kid, 
you know, we lived outdoors. We grew up on a ranch. With, we had cattle. Um, and, you know, we'd have to go move our cows in the mountains on horseback from one unit to the next unit all, you know, spring all the way up into the mountains during the summer and then back down into the, to the desert in the fall and bring them home for the winter. So being on the back of a horse in the mountains has been my whole life, right? And then when we raised cattle, you know, we weren't these big cattle ranchers that had a ton of money. And so if we could fill the freezer with meat, then we didn't have to butcher one of our cows that year. And it was that much more money we could, you know, we could have as the family. And so as a kid, even from a young age, I got the either sex tag as a kid, you know, the youth tag. So my responsibility was I got, I got to shoot whatever was easiest <laughs> to shoot, right? Everybody else had to wait for a buck and find something. So I was the meat hunter for the family. And so that was my whole life. You know, I just grew up. If there was a doe and I had the tag, I went out and I filled that tag, you know, and then tried to draw for the elk tags and get an elk. And, and uh, so, so hunting was just a part of our life. It wasn't like this sporting event. It wasn't anything crazy. It was just part of putting food on the table. It's like, it, you know, it's funny. I, I, that's kind of like now my reason to have kids. I just need, you know, more tags, right? That's yeah, it. absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> that's, that's how that works. Uh, something tells me they're a little more expensive than just uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> buying yeah, an extra tag at that point. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, you started out kind of as this kid, you know, hunting for the family, for me. What takes you from then then to now? Yeah, so I took a little different journey in my life. Uh, you know, I went up through high school. Um, and then I left town. I went, I went to school. I played at the University of Oregon. I played football. I was a college football player. So I played at the University of Oregon. And then I went on and played in the NFL. So I played for the Chiefs, the Raiders, and the Eagles. And I just retired about five years ago from the Eagles. And I come back home, and I took this 15-year leave of absence from hunting because I was pursuing school and my career. Mm-hmm. And I get back home, and I was like, you know what? I just need to get back to my roots. And I just started getting back into it, started hunting. You know, my family was excited to actually have me go out and do it because I always tell these stories and they're like, you don't actually do this dad. And <laughs> so, you know, now, you know, now we hunt together as a family, my daughters, I got all girls, my oldest daughter, she, she shot her bear this year and a deer and she's, oh, she's wow. getting into it. She's 12 years old. So it's just kind of been kind of a full turn to come back into it. Um, and along the way, right, you know, we decided to start a, a hunting company because we wanted to build, uh, you know, what was needed, you know? So Rockman, our, our pack company was kind of built out of out of necessity, you know, just like, what are the needs in the hunting world? And so that really got me ingrained into it more, you know, working with other hunters, going on tons of different hunting trips. I've got family that lives up in Alaska. So my sister lives up there. So I get to go up there and, and hunt with her and spend time, uh, in a whole different world, you know, that I'm, mm-hmm. that I'm used to. And I'm learning what, what these needs are in the hunting world. And, and it's been awesome. And that's what we designed and built what we do here with Rockman. But on the same note, it gives me the chance to go out and do, what we love to do. And to me, the, the, getting a, the getting the animal and the harvesting and the conservation part of it is important. But more important to me is the connections that you build. And you don't build any better relationship with anybody than sitting around a campfire mm-hmm. at night waiting for the next day or telling stories from what you just went through and going through all that. So that's what it's all about to me. Oh, man. When you're struggling through that kind of stuff and you're... I- you're side by side with someone, you're grinding for days, you know, maybe you're seeing stuff and just not, not closing the deal. You're not seeing what you want or you're just not seeing anything. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, you know, it's the, it, you're bonded hard at yeah, that point. Absolutely. Like some of the, some of the best buddies I've made are the guys I've hunted with. And, absolutely. You know, absolutely. people I, I would have never met, never met otherwise if it wasn't for, you know, falling in love and, you know, get, becoming so passionate about hunting and yeah. the outdoors and fishing and all of this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so now, did I, did I understand that correctly? So you kind of, you took that long break from hunting, but your family had, like, at that point had never, like, seen you hunt. Like, you started your family kind of in that time. Yeah. You took that break. Yeah. 
Yeah, and so, so I got, I got they married. They were not like. Yeah, they were involved in it. My, my wife is from Seattle. She grew up in the city. Uh, I got married while I was in college. And then I went up, you know, I had my first child while I was in college. And I went up through the NFL and played. And so they, they had heard all these stories. And they were excited about it. And they loved listening to them. But I never went out and hunted when I was mm-hmm. with them, right? Because of my career and what I was doing at the time. And so now to get back into it and get them ingrained in it, my daughter, uh, she just can't wait to go out and go hunting or go do something with dad. You know, I'm on the phone with my wife back home. This was yesterday. I'm on my phone with my wife and my daughter and her were driving home. And I get this, uh, I get this, you know, static in the background. I hear my daughter yelling. My wife, I'm like, what's going on? And she's like, oh, she sees a coyote out in the field. You know, <laughs> coyote, there's a coyote. We got we to gotta go get the gun. There's a coyote. And, you know, my wife's like, uh, I don't think I'm the person to do that. My daughter's like, I'll do it. And so anyhow... <laughs> You know, they, it, they've kind of become part of it, right? You know, they, they know, and, and uh, it's, it's, it's not just a lifestyle, but um, it's a way of life. You know, it's, just, it's just an amazing thing to raise your kids in a place where they can learn lessons that are going to take them much further than they'll ever learn in the classroom. Well, you know, it's so cool that it, it went that way. And, you know, I, you know, it's probably because you ha- at least had those stories to tell them. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so often it can go the other way completely the other way where you know yeah. you're raising them and then and suddenly they have zero interest in it they yeah. like are oh yeah think it's it. a horrible thing and i get it <laughs> it's you know it's awesome to see them getting excited about it like you know say somebody is raising a family Absolutely. you know they've you know whether or not they're they're new to hunting maybe they've they've gained this interest in hunting and you know they have a, a family they have yeah. sons or daughters and, mm-hmm. a, and a wife that zero interest in this yeah what would you recommend like how would you encourage them to to present that to their family in a way you, <laughs> you know, know it's 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 rough because you gotta you 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 want you don't want to force people to love something right because that's what makes them resist it mm-hmm. uh, but you give them a little taste a little experience of it and they see the joy that comes from being outdoors and then all of a sudden it's a it's a whole different world for them so to me I, you know, you don't force it upon anybody, but you still show the passion and love that you have for it and you go do it. And then you share the experience, you share the stories, they see your excitement about it. And I think that just slowly brings them in uh, to what you're doing. And they might not love it and that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, not, it's not for everybody, right? And that's why we love it so much is because everybody's not the one out there doing it, right? We just, it's, it's, it's not for everybody, so. I think there's definitely, there's like an element of kind of instilling a little bit of FOMO, you yeah. know, it's, it, you, you tell those stories and, and you present the, you present it in these exciting ways and you uh, present these opportunities that you've had and, um, you're effectively just inspiring them. You know, you're yeah. not pushing them, you're not pulling them along, you're not forcing them into anything, yeah. but you're just inspiring them. And, and if it is meant to be if it is something that that deep down they have a passion to do oh, that'll that'll surface it absolutely you know it's the same thing the like my family's big into sports obviously my wife played college basketball coached college basketball i'm a football player and so sports is something we love you know all my daughters love sports right and so to me it's like i'm not going to push them and get them and make them do all this stuff as a kid you know when they start to show interest and they want to do it i'm going to support them as much as i can you know when my daughter shows interest in going out and going hunting you better believe i'm not going to miss that opportunity to build that you know to help her mm-hmm. do it right i almost ruined it on bear baits sitting on bear baits for 24 hours and never seeing a bear you know she's like i don't know this bear hunting's for me and then i take her out and she finds a bear in five minutes when we're walking through the woods <laughs> so you find opportunities to build on it and help them 
them out and support them on what they love and, and love them for whatever it is they choose to do. So tell me a little bit about the bear hunt because, so, you know, I've got a spring bear hunt coming up here yeah. uh, in Montana. I've got a buddy coming out. So yeah. the pressure's on because this is going to be his first hunt too. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, bear is one of those things that is elk and bear are what captured my attention. They yeah. captured my imagination with hunting and really got me interested and excited about it. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I always love bear stories are my favorite stories. <laughs> um, even, even though they're the ones that some people get so damn sensitive about. Oh, like, I know. I understand. You know. But you're going to get that anywhere. Yeah. But, uh, you know, to me, her bear hunt was awesome. She, she went with me. We went clear back into the panhandle of Idaho and hunted, like, the deep wilderness, the Frank Church wilderness. I mean, it was an all-week you know, all adventure. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting on the bear baits at night. We're sitting on the baits in the morning. And the bears were coming in. It was just always after dark. Yeah. And so... We just never got an, an opportunity. And we went out there with six guys and their kids, and everybody got a bear except for my daughter. And so they just didn't choose our bait those days. And so we're sitting there over and over and over again uh, going to this bait, and, I could, and we went back. We did it in the spring. We did it in the fall. And then we, uh, we came back in the spring uh, one more time, and she just didn't have any luck. And I was all like, this thing, I'm sorry, you know, it is what it is. But then I, I'm, I'm home in my own backyard, pretty much. You know, it was about 20 minutes from our house. Mm-hmm. Like, I know where there's bears up in the mountains. I had a good buddy back in there. I'm like, let's go for a walk up in there. He said he's been seeing stuff there. Let's go take you back in there. And so it was a change. We go in on an ATV. We drive into the trail. We see one off the road in the ATV. We stop. We get out. We get her in position. She shoots right over its head. It's just looking at us through the trees like, what is that? And so she shoots right over its head. And then it runs in front of us up a hill. So we just leave the machine and start walking up the trail. We see a sow with two little, little cinnamon-colored cubs in front of us. And we're like, well, there's, there's four bears in 20 minutes out here. We've been yeah. spending 24 hours on a bait and never seen anything. And then we turn to our right, and we see this big black bear walking. He's about a 250-pound bear walking up a hillside. And I'm like, hey, guys, quit, quit looking at that sow and her cubs. Why don't, we, why don't we shoot this one over here? And they all turn over like, what? And so she freehands. You know, she's 12 years old. She turns and freehands and shoots this, you know, 250-pound bear with a 6'5 Creedmoor and just ecstatic. She's just loving it. She's excited. The first words out of her mouth is, we're kind of far away from the razor, aren't we? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? She goes, well, I don't want to walk up and poke that thing without having a machine nearby. You know, she's a little nervous. You know, she doesn't know what to expect. She's young and there's a bear there. Um, but so she's like, Dad, you got to be the one to poke it and see if it's dead. I'm like, all right, no big deal. So it was awesome. Awesome experience for her. She skinned it. She cleaned it. She took care of it. It was great. So this is your oldest daughter? My oldest daughter, yeah. She's so 12. She, she's 12. Uh, you had two daughters, you said, I right? got four. Four. Four oh, girls. Here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you, you, I am so sorry. <laughs> you you, know, you've, I don't got know any, you've got a long few years. You've got a long few years. I don't know any different, but I can tell you one thing that I'm going to be taken care of. They love dad. Man, the, those girls, it, as long as they still worship dad, it's great. You know. So. See, though, the nice thing is, it sounds like how you're raising them, you're not going to have to worry too much about the boyfriend. You know, I want <laughs> every guy that takes my daughter on a date to know that not only does she own her own shotgun, but she knows how to use it very well. And then I have guns that I know how to use even better. So you gotta every time they show up, you know, you gotta greet them at the door. And be like, "Oh, she'll be right down. She's uh, cleaning the blood off. She just finished skinning a bear." Yeah, exactly, like. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's, this is funny, and, and whether you publish this part or not, but when we were cleaning her bear, my daughter wants to be a vet. That's okay. what she wants to be. So she's always watching these vet movies, and so we got this carcass in front of us, and she's skinning it, and she goes like, "She's twelve years old, right?" She goes, "Dad, can I castrate it?" 
because she knows what that is, right? And she's been watching these vet movies, and I'm all like, what better time to learn than now? Yeah. And so after she does it, she's like, well, that's not that hard. And I said, yeah, now we can tell every boy that you go on a date with that you know how to castrate something. <laughs> and so it's, it, was, it was great. It's it like you should, you should just record it and be like, all right, so uh, before you date my daughter, there's a little public service uh, <laughs> video you need to watch. I love it. Um, and... It's just literally to make the title of the video, This Could Happen to You. Yeah, I And just play it. that scene and call it a day, you know? Uh, it's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that it's so cool that at that age, there's so much you can learn from that. I mean, aside from, even aside from, like, all of the amazing, um, like, like, just personality kind of things it teaches you as far as resilience and patience mm-hmm. and, you know, just uh, mental toughness, all of this stuff that you learn from hunting yeah. in general. Then there's the respect for the, the wildlife and the outdoors and how conservation works. You learn all of that. Then there's just that nitty-gritty stuff about oh, yeah. how life works. Absolutely. Like, how are the balls attached to an yeah, animal? Exactly, <laughs> like, yeah. You know, where, where is the heart and where's the liver? And it's like, yeah, you know, we all probably took our biology class and dissected a frog and a crawfish in, yeah. in science class in high school, whatever. That, there's a big difference between that desiccated, like opening up that desiccated frog that mm-hmm. kind of looks like it was put together with plastic parts. Yeah. And being elbows deep in an elk or deer or bear carcass, yeah. you know, and digging around for that heart because you yep. want to oh, you want to get that heart or Absolutely. you know figuring out how all that stuff works together it's it's wild how much that teaches you. Oh, absolutely. And it's so cool to see, like, yeah. kids getting involved yeah. in that. Like, Absolutely. And, you know, the biggest things for me, and I like to drive this home, and this is more of maybe even on a spiritual note for the kids, but they need to know that that, that animal had to die so that you could live. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it, that, that animal basically gave its life to take care of you so you could live. And it gives them a more a level, level of respect for what they're doing. And they're not just out there doing it for fun and just killing things randomly. You know, it's, mm-hmm. there's a purpose behind what we do, right? I think I've said it a million times on this podcast that so many issues we have with food in this world would be solved if more people hunted. And were, or like if you were required to either raise or hunt for your meat. Yeah. If you were not allowed to buy meat at the store. Like, so many problems because, I've, I've, again, I've told this story probably a million times, but it's like, how many times, you, you know, whatever, you buy some ground beef, like, you're, yeah. you know, whatever from the store, and you're like, oh, I'll make spaghetti now, I'll make burgers tonight. You put it in the fridge, you thought, then you kind of, you get distracted, or you go out and you forget about it, and like two days later, you're like, ah, oh, crap, it's all brown. Yeah. Okay, whatever, it's ground beef, you throw it out. I've never done that with ground elk. Yeah. I've never done that with you know ground venison. You know the work that goes in to get that, yeah. Like, I've, I've never even, like, let... That little scrap of like leftover whatever I cooked in the bottom of the Tupperware that normally I'd probably just be like, okay, whatever, I'm not gonna yeah. eat that, toss it. Like that all gets eaten, that all gets put into something. Like there is n- never a scrap of yep. wild game that goes to waste in my house. And I think, you know, everyone's problems with, you know, whatever their problems are with the meat industry, mm-hmm. whatever the problems are with obesity, whatever these problems are with our carbon footprint or whatever the hell, you know, people want to argue about so much of that could be solved. If you either had to raise your own animal to eat it, or you had to, uh, had to hunt for your own animal. Absolutely. And and like you said, it's, everybody's got their own point of views and they're all entitled to them. Right. And there's good people out there trying to do the right thing. And maybe they just don't know, they don't have the right perspective on the things that they're against. You know, I think it'd open their eyes 
And well, you know, COVID's opened a lot of people's eyes to, hey, what happens if you don't have truck drivers to deliver food to the cities, right? And people mm-hmm. are sitting in the city with no food and nothing on the shelves. Um, it starts to open people's eyes, and there's a reason everybody's flooding out of these big cities out to the to the countries. I mean, heck, Idaho is getting overran right now by oh, yeah. tons of people moving out there, and we're embracing them. We're like, hey, you know what? You're seeing what we have to offer, and it's a beautiful thing. And come on down. Not everybody's happy about it. It is what it is. But, you know, it's part of life, and I think I think we all got to learn in our own way, and some people are just so stubborn it's going to take a little bit yeah. harder fall for them to figure it out. Oh, trust me. I just moved away from the Bozeman area, so yeah. I know how exactly how that goes. Yep, so absolutely. I, you know, I always... I always say welcomed with open arms in air quotes. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, I, there are, I see the people that want to live a better life and want to live the lifestyle of Montana, of Idaho, yeah. of these places. Those are the people we welcome with open arms. Then yeah. there's the other people that are just like... Well, I want to come and I want to vote the exact same way. And I mean, I'm not even I'm not even yeah. going to get down that that aisle. I've but, been down there a million times, but they yeah. want to. They want to come and change the way of life there. They just think it's a pretty area. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm no, like, I understand. I understand. And, and people are people. Some yeah. of us are crazy. It's just what it is. You know? <laughs> but uh, there's, there's just a lot we can learn from each other. And like you said, coming back to the outdoors, there's so much you can learn from the outdoors that I think are going to help. Uh, and it will help the, the new generations coming up. It's going to help the, just people in general. Getting a chance to be outdoors, experience the beautiful, the, the nature, and there's just, there's just a reverence about it that can just change you just by being in it. So. Well, there's something, you know, I mean, I, I've always been kind of an ADHD guy. I, mm-hmm. I collected, used to collect hobbies, like some people collect stamps or coins yep. or whatever. And, uh, you know, I never stuck with anything. I'd learn it. I'd lose interest. I'd be like, okay, that wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I surfed for a long time, mm-hmm. and I loved it. it. I wasn't quite there. It wasn't, it was, something about that was right for me, but it, it, I wasn't a surfer. Yeah. I loved to surf, but I couldn't ever, there, it, it wasn't a complete picture. Yeah. And it wasn't until I found hunting and the outdoors and fishing and camping and, and all of this stuff. You know, we focus so much on hunting that I think sometimes we forget to just go enjoy the outdoors when we're not trying to shoot something. Just go for a hike. Like, yeah. 90% <laughs> of the time I'm in the, in the wilderness with my family. It is not hunting at all. Yeah. You know, we're just out enjoying it and going and seeing the wildlife. I might have a little, you know, I might you be scouting at the same scouting time. A I might be bit. checking things out. I might have, you know, my own agenda while we're doing it. But at the same time, we're just out as a family enjoying, yeah. enjoying the outdoors. I mean, here, here's the deal. Like, there's never going to be a time I'm out and where I, like, see a bear or see a deer or see an elk. And I'm probably, like, and I'm not marking it. Oh, like, yeah. a waypoint's always going if I see that. But, Absolutely. like, so often I think we do forget to go out and enjoy what we love like you know we talk about conservation as hunters all the time yeah like you know hunters and anglers are responsible for funding conservation yeah. billion over a billion dollars a year um and you know we take pride in that but so often we don't go out and enjoy the fruits of our labor we don't just go watch an elk herd yeah like you know you yeah, mate, we're going out with the intention of scouting. We're going out with the intention of hunting. We're going out very specifically for these reasons, to check out a new air, the landscape of a new area, instead of just just to be out and enjoy it. Like, yeah. I couldn't tell you the last time I just camped. Well, no, I can. I can. I went, but it was, it was a fishing trip. We, yeah. went, we really went on a fishing trip. But it really was like, it was just camping. Yeah. You know, we had a bonfire. We sat and drank beers and, mm-hmm. and like just enjoyed enjoyed that time and it it had been ages since i'd done yeah. that before 
it feels like forever at least. So yeah. So tell me, uh, tell me a little bit. We got into it some, but tell me a little bit more about uh, how you guys started Rockman and mm-hmm. uh, kind of what what it is. Yeah. So we when we came into it, we were just we we're hunters. We're truly the outdoor. We're the end user, right? So we're guys that love to be outdoors. We love all the products we use, but there's you know. We can't handle the rain, right? That was the big indicator. Like when you get dumped on, you just have a really bad rainy year. No matter how many rain flies you put on a pack, it's mm-hmm. going to get wet and it's miserable. And so there was there was that thing. We wanted we wanted a pack that was a truly modular system. And so what we did is there was a group of us that got together and we said, you know, we are going to take and we are going to build. We basically took every pack that we had or had ever had and had modified. And we just said, these are things we love. These are things we don't like. These are things that we want. And these are things we want to get rid of. And let's just let's just slowly design this on paper. And we just went to work. You know, we went to work. We started testing it, building prototypes, going and using it. And we just built it, built it, built it until we got exactly what we were looking for, which was a modular waterproof pack system that basically was designed for the hunter or the outdoorsman in general. Um, and your gear is going to stay dry. So you can keep that joy in the journey of the outdoors, right? And that's kind of one of our slogans is keep the joy in the journey so you're not ruining an experience like you take your wife or your kids out on a hunting trip and it drenches on them they just get wet it's like ruining it for them like well yeah that's not for me right but if you can have the right gear even if the weather is bad you can enjoy that journey it's awesome and so that's our goal is to make it so that you can enjoy every single journey outdoors and that's what rockman is all about i really you know and it's i I came i checked out the packs at shot and I, i the one thing i had somebody uh um uh, Rob Gearing over at Spartan Precision, yeah. he's like, hey, you have to go check these guys out. You have to go see see their packs. And I'm kind of like, okay, a whole new pack system. Yeah. Yay. Uh-huh. Like, you know, kind of oh, yeah. rolling my eyes. I feel like to some extent, you know, you've seen one, you've seen a million. It's like, okay, wow, oh, wow you've got a, a new lumbar lumbar pad on your pack and your belt's a little different. Yeah. Awesome, bro. Like, yeah. <laughs> and... I came in and I was blown away. I like yeah. I legitimately was blown away by the packs. Uh, you know, I try not to get too advertisey on these, but it. like, it's it really is. It's an awesome system, super modular. It's I love the fact that it's simple too. So many times, like I feel like I'm a an octopus or spider after I'm done putting on my pack because straps are coming loose and this and that but it's like you have a simple pack it's modular like you said it's waterproof um the frame is awesome you know you can use it as a glassing seat yeah, you absolutely. Can, you know um the the bino harness comes with a convenient snack table you know it's <laughs> <laughs> snack table fly tying table whatever you need to use it for you can use it you know what it's it's awesome i obviously i'm biased i love it but when you go around and look at every pack out there and i have nothing against them all but they all are a different version of the same thing, right? There's just one, there's something a little bit unique, but they're all, they all look about the exact same, right? And so if you look at our packs, you won't even, I mean, it is completely different. We've broke the mold of, of outdoor packs. It's designed for the hunter. Um, it's obviously waterproof and modular, but you see it. We're not a big camel pattern. We're more earth tone colors. We, we just kind of, we fit, we fit just about every market's needs in the hunting, the fishing, the outdoors in general. We fit mm. their needs and it has been very well received. Even in the military, especially in anywhere that there's a lot of moisture, like Columbia or yeah. French Navy. And I mean, there's, there's places, even the, the U.S. Navy, there's, there's places that this has been well received just because of the waterproof design. So we find ourselves filling a niche in the market. Like, there's just no waterproof hunting pack out there. There isn't. 
and there's no well, truly modular pack out there like what we have. And when so. you say waterproof, like this thing seals, like you can inflate the pack. Yeah, you could. That's you he can, showed me that, and that yeah. blew my mind. Yeah, I was like, can, holy crap! You could fill it up with air, sit on it, paddle across the river, get to the other side, pull your gear out, do whatever. Or like we had guys in Alaska, they shot a moose on the other side of the river. Okay, so they went in and they got to the edge of the river. The it was nasty weather. The water was high. They're like, it's a cold day. There's, there's like, crap, we, how do we get over there? What do we do? Oh, yeah, we got Rockman packs. So they stripped down to nothing, stuffed all their clothes in their pack, zipped it up, waded across the water, got to the other side, pulled a rope across, got all of each other across, took care of their moose, got everything back, mm-hmm. and they had a great, enjoyable trip. And they, they called us up, told us about it, said, we are Rockman for life because we could enjoy this hunting trip where we might have been having hypothermia if it had any <laughs> other gear, right? Yeah. Um, and, and there's there's stories on and on and on that have taken place, but you know it's just it makes you feel good when you're building something that you know works, but then other people can enjoy it as well. Yeah, no, it's it really did blow me away, and I love it. It, it you know, and I think the reason this pack turned out so good is you guys aren't engineers, you're no. hunters, and you're like, well, why can't a pack do this? Why can't and yeah, you just figured it out, and I think that's why. The pack's so unique. Yeah. You know, you guys aren't pack designers. You aren't, you weren't no. like industry guys trying to like, you no. know, fit yep. your niche or whatever. And, and even the bino harness, it was, a, it was fantastic design, works great. And again, like I'm getting way more advertising than I ever do on this podcast, try to on this podcast, but I do really love the system. Um, but so, you know, one thing I always kind of like to you know, wind things down with is uh, we talked earlier and my passion is for kind of the adult onset hunter or yeah. the guy that, that didn't grow up, anyone that didn't grow up walking through the woods with granddad's gun effectively, yeah. you know, and, and finding resources for these people. So say, you know, you run into some guy and, oh, you know, what do you do? Oh, yeah, I make hunting packs. He's like, oh, man, hunting. That sounds so cool. He's like, you know, I grew up in the city. Um, like, I never, I don't know anyone that hunts, but I've always kind of wanted to. But it just seems like there's so much gear to buy and so much to learn and so much stuff I have to do and like I don't know it's a little intimidating I'm not sure I can do this what would you say like what kind of inspiration or words of wisdom would you give to that guy oh, man. just first of all just do it just go give it a shot but you're, there's no question that the right gear can ruin and make and break an experience but one of the things for me is if it's something you want to get into let's go find something that doesn't require all the gear. It doesn't require you to be clear back in the backwoods. If you've ever gone on a pheasant hunt, man, you can do that with next to nothing. Just go take a shotgun, learn how to shoot it, and go shoot mm-hmm. pheasants, and you're going to be hooked. And that's just one stage of it. Or duck hunting. Holy cow, waterfowl doesn't take much, and you can sit out there and get kill some ducks and some geese, and all of a sudden you're hooked. Well, you, you want know? to talk about like introducing, we were talking about it earlier, bringing it back around, introducing kids to hunting. Like you find a good like dove spot or yeah. you know grouse spot or something like chucker. Where you can take them in, again, it doesn't require you to put out a lot. You can buy them, like, a smaller smaller shotgun um, and find a spot. That's going to give them a lot of action. It's going to be fast-paced, exciting. They're going to be moving around. Oh, yeah. And as long as they can handle that shotgun safely, yeah. like, what are you really out? A day of walking. Like, you know, you're not, you're not committing them to, like, a... All right, all right, honey. I know you're 12, but we're going to be spending 10 days in the backcountry chasing yeah. elk. Um, yeah, that's everybody's dream, right? <laughs> like, even even the experienced hunters, that's their dream. Not very many people do that. It's just it's the reality of what it is, right? It's, it's so I always make that joke, and the people listening that have been listening for a while probably are laughing because so that's again that's what like the romantic view of like oh, the yeah. solo DIY elk hunter on the mountain. Yeah, absolutely. Bugling an elk with his bow. 
So my very first hunt was a solo DIY public land archery elk hunt. Nice. And it went about as you would expect that to go. I'm sure. <laughs> um, I tore both knees and like yeah. I, I had to call in a buddy on horseback to come get me out. It was it was quite the exciting hunt. So yeah, starting. Uh, I always I always tell people I'm like don't do what I did. I mean honestly, <laughs> like if that's what you want to do, find a way to do it. Yeah, but absolutely. Don't uh, like don't be so focused on that that you overlook opportunities. Like right now, we've got you can I mean you can hunt coyotes and and, and varmints. Yeah, pretty much. Year round in just about any state, all you need is a, a hunting, hunting license. license. Yeah. You know, you don't need anything else. Minimal rifle, you can go. You can go do that kind of yeah. stuff. Uh, we got spring season coming up. You know, we are. We just finished waterfowl. We got spring seasons coming up for. I mean, turkey and bear. We, you know, and of course, this all depends on your state. But then, you know, we've got late season stuff. Effectively, like we got June and July where not much happens, and then the rest of the year. If you're, especially if you're in the West. You've got opportunities to hunt anything. So don't be so focused on, if you want to hunt elk with a bow in September, I say, hell yeah, figure out a way, do it. Maybe go with the guide. But don't be so focused on that, that you overlook all these opportunities to prepare yourself for for that hunt. Absolutely. No, I agree with you 100%. So yeah, it's, uh, I think you're right with the, the go for it, but start, you know, maybe some, some pheasant or or chuck or something, (laughs) you know, I mean, go to a, Go to an art. Go to a shop and be like, "Hey, man, I'm just I'm, I want to get into. It. I don't know anybody that's like that. You know, maybe okay. You go to a Bass Pro shop, you're not going to get as interested of people. But like, yeah. you go to a small small town, like a just local hunting shop. You start talking to the guys you get to know and be like, "Hey, I just want to learn about hunting. I just want to. I just I want to go on my first hunt and figure out what do I need to know. Yeah, like you're going to get people so excited. Absolutely, so stinking no, I excited. Man, well, I really appreciate you sitting down, taking the time. It was great getting to chat with you for a bit. Yeah, you as well. I appreciate your time as well. All right, y'all, that'll do it for this episode of The Wild Initiative. Make sure to check out the show notes page at thewildinitiative.com. Get links to everything we talked about in today's episode. That'll do it for this week. Looking forward to next time. But until then, I hope this episode inspired you to get involved, get outdoors, and plan your initiative for the wild. Thank you for listening to The Wild Initiative. Please take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher and head on over to thewildinitiative.com to get show notes, check out the blog, gear discounts, other podcasts from The Wild Initiative family, and more. 